From the studios of Tucson Business Radio X, recorded in the Stewart Title Corporate Offices on Broadway, you are now listening to The Mark Bishop Show. And now here's your host, Mark Bishop. And welcome to another show. You know, there are approximately 155,000 individuals in the U.S. that are living with metatastic breast cancer. Now, up to 11% of new breast cancer cases are initially stage 4 or metastatic. Nearly 30% of women initially diagnosed with early-stage disease will ultimately develop metastatic lesions after months or even years later. And as of 2017 in the United States, nearly one in seven women with metastatic BC were younger than 50. Denise Yardley, medical doctor, is the principal investigator for the Sarah Cannon Research Institute. And we're very honoured to have her on the show today. Welcome, Denise. Thank you. Denise, it seems while there have been many advances in treatment, uh, you know, this breast cancer uh, remains incurable. Yes, I think, you know, when when I have to sit and, and share the news of breast cancer coming back um, and the patient has advanced breast cancer metastatic disease or the group that comes in and when I'm working them up, find that they're already advanced from the beginning, which is about 10%. It's always quite disheartening and um, news I don't like to, to deliver, but I quickly partner it with where we are now with the advances in treating these patients with um, metastatic or advanced stage four disease. And while we're not curing them and, and still waiting for that um, intervention to be developed, we are treating these patients um, much like a chronic disease like diabetes or heart disease or kidney disease that we also don't cure. But with the right therapies on board, people are living with their disease and people are living with advanced breast cancer. And, and we're talking about years. And so you know, I, I give them that groundwork and the expectation of excellent quality of life and that we have these novel developments like Kiskali, which is a pill that keeps patients, you know, out of our office and receiving treatments of chemotherapy and taking a pill in the comfort of their home and expecting that excellent quality of life and, and being able to function outside of our office um, in a very predictable fashion. Our expectations when we add this new class of drugs, the CDK46 inhibitor, which Kiskali is one of, and it's a pill, to what was the standard um, hormone-blocking therapy. Mm-hmm. When we looked at the, the trials, like the Mona Lisa 3 and Mona Lisa 7, that had the group that received the standard of care hormone-blocking medicine, and the other group received that hormone-blocking medicine and had Kiskali, this novel um, cancer growth inhibitor, CDK46 um, pathway inhibitor, Mm -hmm. what we saw was dramatic. We saw the disease control rate. That is, how long could a patient stay on that therapy double with the group that received Kiskali from 9 to 12 months to almost two years before we needed to think about their cancer waking up and changing um, their therapy. So that gives them an ability to predict, you know, what are they going to look or feel like at Thanksgiving or Christmas or the wedding or birth of a grandchild Um, because they'll have that expectation that this is the medicine I'm going to be on, my disease is going to be controlled, I'm going to feel like I'm feeling and I'm going to be on a pill. Like I can travel and arrange my doctor office visits. And I think even more importantly perhaps was that, 
this was a um, message that translated into our gold standard benefit of improving survival. That is longevity, how long patients are living. So even when the cancer woke up and they received a second line treatment or third, they benefited up front by their survival um, in terms of years. So it further improved that. Wow. You know, survival is, is, what a word. I mean, a diagnosis of uh, metastatic or stage four breast cancers apparently has a five-year relative survival rate of about 25, uh, 27%. And despite treatment advancements, uh, metastatic breast cancer continues to take the lives of approximately 113 people every day in the U.S. Is this right? That, that's right. And, you know, I think when we look at now being able to talk about um, time points of years and survival of years. And, you know, for the hormone receptor positive advanced breast cancer, which has a little bit more favorable survivability, you know, those time points um, really resonate with patients. And, you know, I, I tell, um, the first thing I tell patients, I can't predict. No, um, no. I do know, you know, when we look at something like Kiskali, I think it's always a concern with patients who present with more worrisome sites of advanced breast cancer, that is disease in liver or lung. And mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to be able to look at the data and present it to the American Society of Clinical Oncology to say, Cascali is a great drug. It's been active. It led these two trials led to an FDA approval. But what about those that have the most aggressive disease that were treated on the trial? Those that have disease in their liver. Um, and we were able to pull out that group and look at the benefit of Kiskali, and it was just the same resounding mes- message of benefit. It's active in the worst sites of disease, giving those patients every expectation to benefit and have survivability um, and disease control um, with the addition of Kiskali to their hormone um, blocking therapy. And so I think, you know, wherever we look, that um, pathway that drives tumor growth can be inhibited by Kiskali or a CDK46 inhibitor and have very predictable benefits for disease control rate and overall survival in patients facing a diagnosis of advanced hormone receptor positive metastatic breast cancer. I've got a few questions here I want to get in before our time is up. What's the impact of uh, metastatic breast cancer on the lives of patients and caregivers? I think the impact is um, the, the concern that everybody has of, of, of a timeline. I think, you know, that seems to be the most dramatic bit of news that I deliver in that, um, you know, I don't have a cure rate. The, the longer I can keep a patient functioning and living with their cancer and turning it into a chronic disease gives us more opportunities to, to have advances that um, may be something that I could later offer to the patient. Um, we, we talk about, you know, this, this journey of being um, a, a person living with cancer and a family living with cancer and how to in, embrace that with the focus of the positives and the disease control right. rates, um, the positives and the therapies that are not tethering the, the, the patients and the families to our office, that they're out living their life in their family community, attending these weddings and, and births and graduations, um, yeah, and every expectation that we yeah. can, to, you know, can to deliver that with a great quality of life. And 
you know, if we need chemotherapy, it's it's there, but it's on the back burner, and we hope to keep it there as long as possible. And so, you know, I think once the family and caregivers can see the patient functioning with treatment and on treatment, I think it really does change um, that stereotype that we're talking about weeks or months. Um, that's not part of the dialogue anymore. No. You know, when we start rolling out parameters of years, um, I think patients and families are able to step back and say, hey, there are lots of advances, and this isn't like grandma or great-grandma um, who was facing a diagnosis of cancer. This is cancer in 2020, and these are new drugs that have never been around before a year or two ago, standards that have just changed in the last two years. Um, well, let me ask so you about uh, Kiskali, if I can, Doctor. What's the most important okay. information uh, we should know about this? I mean, it causes serious side effects, apparently, including lung problems. Uh, it can cause severe or even life-threatening inflammation of the lungs, right? You've got to be uh, very careful with the thing. So I think with any um, medicine, you know, that has a host of side effects, l luckily, at Kiskali, the, the incidences are very low, but do require monitoring, and, and that's built into starting a patient on it with frequent office visits, you know, looking for a drop in their, their white blood cell counts, looking at abnormalities in their heart or their their liver or, you know, very infrequently, but needs to be monitored lung. And I think, you know, we make patients aware of this and symptoms that we want to hear patients report back to us in between the time they're not in our office. And then, you know, when we initiate them for that first cycle or two, and in the first six months, we watch and monitor for all of these effects. Most of them, you know, thank goodness, are very infrequent, but we are, you know, very clear about making patients and, and caregivers and families aware with any medication there are side effects. Luckily, the incidents are quite low, but they are monitored for all of that when they come into the office, and those office visits uh, up front are, reflect that in terms of frequency, and then when we move out, um, to the patient's been on it longer, we can increase um, some of the intervals and less some, lessen some of that required monitoring. Okay, now my listeners can go where to read up on all of this if they want to. Do you have a site that they can go to? Sure, if they want specific information on Kiskali, the manufacturing website, the www.novartis.com. I always think their uh, healthcare provider is an excellent resource, www.cancer.org or cancer.org net or cancercare.org and patients living with cancer www.plwc.org is also a great site to you know make them familiar with some of the new changing standards and you know equip them with the ability to even ask their healthcare providers specific questions and you know is this an appropriate trial or treatment consideration for for their disease all right now uh, dr denise yardley uh, very briefly, because we're going to have to go, but I'd like to know, can you just discuss briefly the results of the analysis that you presented at ASCO 2020? Yeah, so um, what, what I was fortunate enough to present at ASCO 2020 was really looking at patients treated on the clinical trial, Mona Lisa 3 and 7, both trials that evaluated a group with Kiskali um, added to their hormonal therapy, and then a group that just received the standard. And particularly, we wanted to know 
what um, benefit those patients that had the worst disease, the most aggressive life-threatening disease in liver or lung? Um, how did they do with Kiskali? Did they derive those um, same outstanding uh, therapeutic benefits? And we were able to tease out the, that population from both of those trials and showed that they derived that same um, disease control rate um, when they presented with disease in their liver as compared to a patient who had disease in a bone. Kiskali was effective at both disease sites or in the most concerning disease sites because liver and lung are life-sustaining organs. And so I was able to say, similar to the whole population of the Mona Lisa 3 and 7, there was that consistent um, you know, overall and progression-free survival benefit in right. patients presenting with liver disease in the Mona Lisa 3 and 7 trial. And so, you know, it translates out when a patient presents and they have disease in their liver or lung, which is quite concerning. I feel very comfortable in prescribing Kiskali in those patients knowing that that has been looked at and the, the drug is just as effective in that group and the patient has every expectation to derive clinical benefit um, from Kiskali added to their hormonal therapy for advanced breast cancer. Well, you know, it's nice to hear some positive news and it continues to emerge for advanced breast cancer patients. It's uh, no fun. And I've known people, of course, and, and I think, you know, every one of us one way in life has been connected or knows of or family member or, or, or has, you know, been with somebody who's suffered that. It's not nice at all. Doctor, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. You, you're very informative. And, well, you should be, I guess. You're a principal investigator, right? <laughs> uh, Dr. Uh, Denise Yardley, principal investigator of Sarah Cannon Research Institute. Thanks, Doctor. And keep up the good work. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you so much. All right. Goodbye now.